0: Hello and welcome to Series 8, Episode 2 of In Suspense, a podcast and vodcast for fans and writers of crime fiction. I'm Leslie Cara and my co host today is the wonderful Nikki Smith. Hello, Nikki. Hi, Leslie. Lovely to be here. And uh, in our last episode, Lauren North and Nikki talked to the wonderful Joe Callahan um, about her debut novel *In the Blink of an Eye*, and the topic was AI, artificial intelligence, um, and writing. Should we be worried? and i must admit i absolutely loved that episode i listened to it um while i was recovering from my eye surgery and it was such a fascinating discussion i mean joe has so much knowledge and information about ai i just you know it it was really really good and i think we've had a very good response to that episode lots of people. it's the topic of the moment isn't it AI.
1: absolutely yeah I mean I really enjoy chatting with Jo as well she's so knowledgeable um and the time just flew by when we were recording it um it's such a topical subject at the moment I think with all the chat GPT and you know the AI stuff um and yes and Jo's um brilliant debut is out now in the blink of an eye um it came out last Thursday um I went to the launch in uh, Goldsboro in Brighton which was lovely um and it's already got dozens of reviews on Amazon and I think an Average of four point nine stars. The last time I looked, which is pretty fantastic. Yeah. Wow,
0: that is fantastic. Yes, I saw the photos of the launch with um, with CJ Tudor and Joe, and uh, yeah, it looked such fun. looked really great. Yeah, was lovely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But today we are going to be talking to the phenomenally successful author Louise Candlish, and can't wait to get her on. Um, and the topic for today is the Midas touch. Um, from books to TV and resilience. So it's quite a multifaceted topic, really, lots of areas to discuss. And I can't wait to get Louise on because her success, she's been an absolute inspiration, hasn't she, to so many, because her success did not come overnight. Um, But boy, was it sweet when it got here. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, before we do that, um, let's just talk about the last couple of weeks, Nikki. I mean, January in the UK is a very long and gloomy month, isn't it? And, uh, you know, I I was interested to read a tweet from Sophie Hanna, um, a friend of the pod who has been on the pod. And uh, she was saying how January is her favourite month in the whole year because she well now what does she actually say she said um because after the festive break she emerges new and refreshed and with the feeling that everything is up for grabs again and I do know exactly what she means by that although I'm not sure I would describe January as my favorite month I think I'm more of a May and June person myself but I do know what she means because it's You know, the start of a new year, it's a great time. It's new possibilities, new writing projects.
1: I mean, do you like January, Nikki? well i have to say leslie i hate january <laughs> i would be quite happy to be um sitting in the caribbean somewhere in the sunshine i have to say yeah i'm not um a cold kind of person and it's been pretty freezing recently um and i think it's just kind of all the excitement of christmas is over um, all the decorations have come down everything looks a bit kind of empty um and i've got two teenage daughters so we have to start kind of getting up for school getting out in the dark and the wet and the rain and um, Really, really, I just want to be kind of hibernating in my pyjamas, to be quite honest. So, um, so yes, it's, it's definitely not my favourite month. But somebody pointed out, I think it was on um, about the 8th of January, I saw um, that it was only another 39 days and the sun will start setting at 7 o'clock at night. Um, and so, yes, it's much, much less than, than 39 days now. Um, and that makes me happy. Because I think it's just the dark mornings and the dark evenings are horrible. It makes, makes me feel feel yeah the day's really short so um so yeah so it's not my favorite but I do know what you mean about the kind of the chance to start afresh and having a new slate you can um Break out uh, the notebook for new ideas. I'm currently kind of writing some new ideas for my next book, and and I love that the kind of blank pages and a new pen and a fresh notebook. And um, so, yeah, that that side of things I really do like. Um, and then there's always some um, opportunities to set New Year's resolutions mm-hmm. as well. Um, so I think um, I've got the beach parties coming out in July. So I made a New Year's resolution to stay away from looking at reviews, um, early reviews, unless I'm tagged in them. um, And in which case, that's lovely. Um, If if they're positive, um, that's really nice. Um, If somebody writes and tells me that they've enjoyed it. But otherwise, um, I'm steering clear of NetGalley um, (laughs) and just trying to focus on moving forwards and writing the next book. So how about you, Leslie? Have you got any New Year's resolutions?
0: Yeah, I I thoroughly agree with yours. Stay away from uh, reviews if you can help it. Um, It's nice to dip in every now and then. But uh, yeah, I, I love um, new notebooks and new diaries. I mean, I have more than one diary. And I like I like actual physical diaries, don't you? I, I, yeah. I do use an electronic diary, but there's nothing can beat sort of writing in a new diary. Um, new Year's resolutions, I just want to enjoy it. I mean, I'm, that doesn't mean I didn't enjoy last year. But I just want to enjoy every minute. I mean, I've got the apartment upstairs is coming out next week coming out well I mean it's out already but this is the paperback is coming out um on um is it next week? Yeah, February the second. February second. 2nd. Um, so it's not next. Yes, it is next week, isn't it? Um, next week when this episode goes out, I always get terribly confused with dates. I blame it on my age, <laughs> menopause, my eyes. I don't know. I'm just falling not apart. Yet, it's anyway, yet. it's out on February the second. <laughs> and in the back of it, I just got to tell you, in the back of it is the beginning of my new novel, the one I have finished the first draft of now. It's with my editor, the new one. And um, I mean, the the title is in the back, but I'm not really supposed to say the title yet because it's going to be a bigger review. Um, But anyway, so yeah, so setting New Year's resolutions, just to enjoy myself to read more, I think, like you were saying, keeping away from reviews, I want to keep away from the constant scrolling and checking. Um, yes. social media I have got better at that recently because of my eyes because I haven't been able to look uh, sort of at close screen work but um, yeah just to just to spend more time focusing on reading yeah. um, you know like I started this morning I got up early and I read um, you know three or four chapters of my current um, book in progress so you yes. know I think I will continue to focus more on reading and staying away from yes this.
1: yes uh, I think that's a really good idea. I think I've started to try and switch my phone off at night a bit, turn it off earlier so I'm not lying in bed scrolling away till half past 10 at night and you know, put it to one side and read something instead, um, an actual book. And that's, yeah, that's a good yes, thing.
0: Yes, definitely. But um, I think it's probably enough of our stationary habits and our scrolling habits and our New Year's resolutions for now. Um, I think it's about time we got today's guest on, don't you? So I think without further ado, we need to welcome the fabulous Louise Candlish.
1: Hi so welcome Louise Candlish to In Suspense. We are absolutely delighted to have you with us today um, even with a rather unstable interconnect connection on my side Um, but before we launch into our interview I'd like to read your bio if that's okay just to give our listeners and readers um, an idea of your history. So Sunday Times bestselling author, Louise Candlish, grew up in the Midlands town of Northampton and moved to the capital to study English at University College in London. Louise is the author of 16 novels in total, but it was her number one bestseller, Our House, which turned her career around and won the British Book Awards in 2019, crime and thriller book of the year. It is now a smash hit four part ITV drama starring Martin Compston, Tuppence Middleton and Rupert Penry Jones and I loved it. Um, <laughs> since then there has been another international bestseller The Other Passenger which was Louise's first Richard and Judy book club pick and was long listed for the Theakston Old Peculiar Crime Novel of the Year award in 2021 and that's also in development for TV. And Louise's last book, The Heights, has also been optioned for television. So her brand new thriller, The Only Suspect, which I think you can see a proof on the shelves behind me, um, is set in 1995 and it's described by the Daily Mail as a perfect mix of nostalgia and menace. Um, it's published in hardback, ebook, and audio on the 2nd of February. Louise lives in South London with her husband, teenage daughter, and fox-red Labrador Bertie, who you can see on Instagram often, I think. <laughs> um, so, Louise, I'd just like to say I think you've, you've done it again with The Only Suspect. Um, it's an absolutely wonderfully gripping novel, which, as you already know, I raced through and couldn't put down. Um, and I loved all the references to 1990s London um i lived in tooting in um, the 1990s so it all felt so familiar it was wonderful but you look
2: far get... too young you look far too young to have <laughs> no the, i wish the
1: the day i wish <laughs> um but before i get too carried away um can you tell our listeners and viewers just a little bit about the book
2: Yes, absolutely. So it's um, it's quite typical of me in that it's a sort of slow burn thriller rather than a kind of you know car chases at the end of every chapter kind of thriller. Um, And as you say, it's set partly in 1995, but also partly in the present day. And we see some of the same characters 25 years later, basically. Um, And probably the the best way to introduce it is to say that it was um, loosely inspired by Barbara Vine's A Fatal Inversion, which is is a book probably lots of your listeners will have read it being a classic psychological um, thriller. And in um, in the original and indeed in my book, um, you have a group of friends who are in their hedonistic youth. They're having the time of their lives. In the case of the only suspect, they're in Camden. It's the start of Britpop and Cool Britannia. And it's the most amazing time to be young and free. And our narrator Rick starts a relationship with a, a, an enigmatic young lady called Marina. And then... Um, spliced in with that you have a present day story of a character called Alex and we learn quite quickly he's changed his name since um, the 90s and he's living in a suburban area called Silvervale as far removed from Camden Town as you can imagine it's all very comfortable and smug and he's got a lovely wife and they're always having Aperol spritzes in people's gardens <laughs> and um, all of, all of his, his lovely comfortable sort of um, you know, low-key under-the-radar lifestyle Um, is suddenly in jeopardy one day when it's announced that there's going to be a nature trail developed on an old railway line behind their house and suddenly Alex is um, you know a a different person he's um, paranoid he's constantly prowling around he's um, acting like he's got something to hide um and we quickly learn that he does have something to hide and it's connected with the 90s plot so actually a very long long-winded way of <laughs> introducing the book i hope that's okay
0: that was fantastic yeah no it's it's you know i'm 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 halfway through louise and i cannot put it down i mean my reading is a little bit slower because of my my eye situation oh but it's, it's so gripping. It's absolutely fantastic. Thank and you. as all your novels are, you know, they, they just take the reader and pull them through. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's fantastic writing. A very intriguing hook. And all your books have a very, very original, intriguing hooks. And um, I was wondering, what was the inspiration really for this particular novel? Well, they do, I I do sort of pride myself on
2: on not chasing trends, not following what's happening in the industry too closely, not worrying about having to do, you know, at the moment, you know, cosy crime because Richard Osman's doing so well. But there's always a trend that everyone's talking about and that's dominating the bestseller lists. And I just try and set myself apart from that and just do books about things that interest me. And, um, you know, I really believe that, um, you know, the more passionately you feel about, about the idea, the better it is and the more likely it is to be a, to be a good read. Uh, when it's out there. So, this one, um, normally I've got several inspirations, and I've just mentioned the Barbara Vine novel that inspired this one, but that was only a, a part of the inspiration. That was more a kind of, ooh, it, actually, that is, I know that's a, a classic in literature, the kind of, you know, secrets coming back to haunt you is a staple of our genre. Um, but there were other things I wanted to to explore as well. I've been waiting for ages to do um to do a 90s um, set book. And the reason that I'm, I'm doing it with this one is because the plot, which is very inspired by Hitchcock, but I won't say too much more about it, because otherwise it will sort of give the game away, um, could only really work if um it was pre mobile phones pre digital era pre internet pre being able to just google someone and find out everything you need to know about them in 10 seconds it needed to be you know in the olden days um when actually you could get away with a lot more and you could you know you you could deceive people much more easily then because there was no way of, of checking up on on someone So um, you can see I'm kind of skating, skating around a little bit because I don't (laughs) want to to um, give away any any spoilers. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yes. So there was that element. And what else I wanted to, um, there's usually little things I want to do. So, for instance, with this one, I wanted to have an evil pregnant woman because I felt that, um, you know, we haven't we haven't got enough evil pregnant women in fiction. (laughs) They're generally, you know, sort of saints and, um, you know, absolutely the good guy. And so I wanted to kind of turn that um, that cliche on its head. And so I had a lot of fun with Zara who is Alex's um, house guest um, when his wife, Beth, um, invites her to stay with them. And I really just wanted to have a look at the kind of... um, the the dynamic between three people, which I've always found really interesting. And I don't know if it's because I'm in a family of three. I've got one child. There's, you know, everything's always a three in my house. And I really find that quite fascinating, the different kind of alliances. Um, And so we have Rick, his flatmate, Rollo, and Marina are the trio in the 90s. And then we have Alex, his wife, Beth, and then this evil pregnant flatmate, Zara, um, who are a trio in the present day. So there's usually about 10 little things like that that um, that I want to explore. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but normally they're kind of all just sitting there in my mind and I'm waiting for either a setting or a theme or a crime to you know that's the light bulb moment. Um, and I'm sure you both know how it feels. you know when you've had a, you've kind of got an idea, but it's not quite enough and then you start to see how it could be a lot bigger. Yeah, um, if you just added this other element. And yes. actually, I was at that stage for quite a long time. And I was just starting to think, which is quite unusual for me. Oh, my God, am I actually going to be able to pull something out of the bag here? Because, you know, the deadline was looming. Um, well, not looming, but the the, the the deadline was, you know, starting to be, say, nine or 10 months away. And normally I would be underway by then. And we were in lockdown as well. Um, which you know was was quite hard with creativity yes. because you couldn't go out there as much and just sort of be inspired in the usual way. Mm-hmm. But one day I went on um, a walk to on a nature trail um, nearby in Forest Hill. There's this museum called the Horniman Museum. Oh, I love the Horniman. Um,
0: which you, yes. oh, you know
2: it. Yeah, I used yeah.
0: to live. I used to live in Forest Hill.
2: Oh, yeah. did you? Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Well, I probably the nature trail was there when 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 you lived there because it's been there a while. But I had never um never never walked along this nature trail which is half a mile long um and just to break up the boring old you know one walk a day routine that we had back in um lockdown I went along this nature trail and um you know it doesn't take very long to walk a mile which was you know there and back and um by the time I came back I had the whole plot in my head.
0: Fantastic.
2: So this this setting just unlocked my um unlocked my imagination and just kind of drew together all of the strands that i've been thinking oh i'd like to do that Um, so it was really a very productive walk (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, no. As I was reading, as I'm reading the novel, you know, I can really see the the streets and the houses because I know that sort of part of London so well, really. So, yeah, no, it's it's very evocative of that of uh, the 90s yeah. for me, actually, when I was my children were growing up, and that's when we where we lived. Now, oh, I've, I've I've heard you say in previous interviews that um, you always have lots of ideas simmering away at the back of your mind. And I have to say I'm terribly envious because I'm lucky if I get one workable idea a year in my own genre. You know? And I'm not uh,
2: saying all my ideas are good. I mean there are a lot that uh, get, most did. of them pretty. Um, like, it's pretty the combination, It's it's the kind of drawing the ideas together, isn't it? I think yeah. it's. Yeah. Um, I don't. I, I don't normally have one huge idea. It's normally lots of little ones that I'll um, weave together. But sorry, I interrupted your question. Oh, no, no,
0: I was, just, I was just wondering how it worked for you. Because I mean, I'm busy trying to come up with an idea for book six at the moment. And I think um, Nicky's trying to come up with an idea for book five. You, you said it was slightly different with this one. But do, does it normally, do you normally get the germ of an idea while you're finishing your current novel? Or do you sort of have to wait until that novel's finished before you, you sort of start to think about that?
2: I've normally got um got, got a lot of ideas waiting. You know, they're kind of backed up, um, but I don't allow myself to kind of explore them too much um because otherwise I'll become distracted. Because I am a, I'm definitely an ideas person. I, uh, that is my strength over the actual execution of the novel. I find that quite hard. I often get myself tied in knots. I lose interest. I, re- I'm, I really like the beginning of things. Um, you know, as as in all areas of life, it's like the beginning of the relationship is the best bit, isn't it? I
1: mean- <laughs> yeah,
0: we were talking earlier in our introduction, we were talking about sort of New Year and January, how it's a great time because it's the sort of possibilities and yeah all the excitement to yes, come but that <laughs> a, bit like, exactly, a bit like yes. starting a new novel isn't it yeah. yeah no you're absolutely
2: right and just the other day I was talking to a, a creative writing group and I could see that they were getting um you know quite serious and almost bogged down in in sort of business decisions and you know well how should you how how should you how should you you know find an agent how, what should you ask the agent when you've got one how do you do this how do you do that um and and I said oh just in enjoy the creative element of this because you're right at the beginning of being a professional writer and it's you know the beginning is the best bit because you because anything could happen to you, anything could happen in your career, it could be stratospheric, you know, it might not be, it's more likely that it's going to be an up and down experience, mm-hmm. as I've had myself. But the beginning is so exciting when you're the adrenaline's flowing and, and you just have that sense of optimism and then and, and you start. So yeah, I definitely I, I love the ideas phase. Um, but it's the halfway through when you're kind of at about 50,000 words, and you're just thinking oh my God, I'm actually not sure if, if I'm going to be able to pull this off.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes that's so true it's the it's that I'm at the lovely shiny new notebook phase I was saying to Leslie and it's like new pen new notebook and you're jotting everything down and it's all working great and it's it's not until you get to the 40,000 word kind of mark and then it all starts falling apart and there's plot holes everywhere and you're just thinking oh no what am I I gonna
2: do the more books you write the more you realize it is a process I mean each one is different but but I've learned not to be too scared by those horrible realizations that it's not as good as I thought it was
0: yes. because
2: it is a process, and I find it's it's a bit like learning a language. The better you get, the more you realise how much more there was that you didn't realise. Yes, um, no, you know so what true. I mean. It's kind yeah. of you know you've mastered a tense and you think you're great, but then <laughs> you master another tense, and then suddenly you realise oh actually there's twelve more of these these things, and the, more, the better the better you get, the the more you realise you could be even better, and yeah, so. Nice. Um, So I suppose there is that lovely innocence at the beginning of anything uh, that is, you know, I just think you've got to enjoy the creative process. That's what it's all about. Yes. Good yes
1: Now as we've mentioned um, the only suspect comes hot on the heels of a string of successful novels for you Louise which is why we've um, entitled this episode the Midas Touch um, <laughs> and it was our house that really kind of I guess kick-started your writing career wasn't it um, and what do you think it was about it that just made it so popular with readers?
2: Um, well first of all um the factor of having a new publisher and a new publishing team got the book out there in the first place so um you know that's not to be underestimated i always tend to um err on the side of you know sort of thinking that it it's all down to the publisher if it if it succeeds or fails it's it's more their doing than it's our doing actually you know that you know it's they tend to think it's it's your doing if if the book does well they think it's because you've written a great book but we know it's because they've published it really well yeah, um so true. a change of publisher was a was a big factor um but once the book was out there it did catch on in a way that had not been anticipated and I think that was because it was um a brand new crime to um crime and thrillers no one had had written about uh property theft before or yeah. certainly not to my knowledge. Um and um so it it just it was it was original. Not I can't say that about all of my books. You know, they're they they're often reworking crimes um that have been done many times before, but this was a genuinely original take on um on crime. Um and then added to that, I um tried quite an innovative structure as well. Um yeah. and I thought long and hard about the structure because I didn't want it just to be um a kind of gimmick you know i didn't want to to have a podcast interview because it was just a you know it, it was just going to be a hook mm-hmm. i actually wanted the podcast interview to have a bearing on the plot which it did as did the the suicide note as well which, yeah. which bram is writing
1: yeah.
2: very long suicide note like confession <laughs> more of more than a suicide <laughs> note i suppose um so yeah i think it was um so initially it was the amazing publishing so that so that the the book and the the ideas within it were just exposed much more widely than my previous books had been um but then it had that zeitgeist thing um because um you know the the, the property obsession was at its height i'd actually written about property before i think of the sudden departure of the frasers um and the swimming pool as my kind of baby yeah. our house Um, books because they did explore a lot of the same themes, but our house was just ramped it up um, and had this kind of shocking crime that, that people hadn't heard about
1: and it was such a great um hook you know just it very easily summarized wasn't it you know about you know the fact that you can walk into your own house and find that it's not your house anymore it's you know it's been sold it's it's just something that I think everybody could kind of take in you know so quickly into their imagination as you you know as you say I think we're all obsessed with kind of right move and you know particularly maybe back then more you know looking at everybody's houses on right move where can can I go where can't I go what all these houses like can't afford it was um yeah really yeah yeah and
2: I think also I mean you you can you know when you when you've had a a successful project you can post-rationalize it and I can see now that actually what it also had which I certainly didn't think about at the time was it had something for the haves and it had something for the have-nots so people who are obsessed with with property and who you know love interiors and uh, have made their way up the property ladder um, and, you know, love looking at right move. There was, you know, that that satisfied, um, that relatable element. But also for those who, you know, and there's a, a whole younger generation who have no hope of, of yeah. buying a property. It was really quite rewarding for them as well, because they could see that it was a cautionary tale it's you know the the property is stolen you know i think that was you know there was kind of schadenfreude in yeah. there as well so i felt like it could appeal to different different groups and different tribes um yeah. on different levels um but i only really sort of thought about that after the event did you um, feel
1: it was special when you were writing it did you did you kind of have any idea that it was going to go on and be such a huge hit
2: I did think it was special. It felt special within the context of my career. And again, this is you know something that I really advise all writers to do is just think about things within the context of your own career, rather than trying to compare your work with the other hundred thousand writers doing the same thing, because you can't your brain can't process all of that. So within the context of what I had done before, it, it felt special. Um, but I was also writing out of contract, which for um those who, who haven't had that experience or don't know what it is, it's when you know you literally haven't signed a contract for that book. You're writing like a beginner who is hoping to get a book deal. So you've got no money. Um, you've but you're free. You're free to mm-hmm. um to do whatever you like. And I have in the past had um you know perfectly understandable interactions with editors where I've been asked to rein something in it maybe got too dark, not emotional enough. Um, and there was none of that. I could I could just absolutely run riot with dislikable characters. Um, I didn't have I did just didn't have to think at all about pleasing anyone other than myself. So it, it did feel special. It felt like, but it also felt hard and complicated to get my head around. I'd never devised anything quite so complicated. And, um, you know, there were lots and lots of details that probably readers didn't even notice that were agonizing to get right. <laughs> <laughs> Hundreds and thousands of these things. <laughs> but I had, I actually um, ended up, because I did run out of money and I ended up um getting a book deal with a with a US publisher first on a partial um... manuscript. And the editor I worked with, Danielle Perez, Um, who was then at um, Berkeley at Penguin she's she's since moved on she was amazing and so once I had her on board she she's got a really meticulous brain and she really kept me on the straight and narrow with this complicated plot and just keeping all the strands straight because honestly there were times when I just felt like I was losing my mind the time timelines were hell (laughs) um so no, i've never you pulled I it off I, I think i did but only only with help you only know, with with help by amazing out. professionals
0: and of course now our house has been made into a brilliant four-part tv series i think it was it aired last summer wasn't it on ITV? It, yeah
2: uh, no, it was first on. Um, I think it was March. Oh, it was March um, okay, on ITV. Okay. But the, yeah. of course, things remain on the streaming platform, so that's it's on right. ITVX.
0: Still. And of course, we were all glued to our screens. And I believe the same production company are now working on the other passenger. Is that correct?
2: They are. They are actually working on the only suspect. This. Oh, new the one. only suspect. Yeah. Okay, right. Yeah, right. the other passenger is in development. It's in development as a well.
0: Different team.
2: Yeah, so nothing. Um, there's about five or six of my books are being developed, but um, as yet, there's no green light to report. So which is, um, um,
0: fantastic because that brings us on to the sort of second part of our um, title for the t- today's episode, which was book to TV. And I was wondering how that process has been, is for you, um, and what you've learned about the book to TV process that you'd like to share with our listeners and viewers. Well, it's
2: very um, enjoyable. I think it's really pleasurable, especially if you've, you've you've already had a lot of books out and you're ready for, you know, sort of new challenges. Mm. Um, I think it could be a bit overwhelming if it's your first or second book and you're still, you know, sort of getting your writing legs to suddenly, you know, sort of mm. be plunged into the TV world. But the first thing to say for authors is that, you know, you can be as involved or as uninvolved as you like. So with Our House, the process was... Um, you know, your your screen agent will offer the, the manuscript um to production companies and then those who are interested you'll meet with and then you choose who to go with. I chose Red Planet. Um at the, the first meeting, um Simon Ashdown, who was the screenwriter, came to that, which was very unusual. Normally the producers haven't yet got a writer on board. And I've since learned that you know this is the element that's the trickiest um is to get the writer um on the project and to guarantee their availability because all of the top writers are very in demand
0: Um,
2: and then it was a long process where um, Simon wrote I think that they were commissioned by ITV to write the pilot which he did and then the full series was commissioned but there are a number of different ways of doing it so um, for instance um, you can produce a treatment and that they're often quite lavish and can be you know sort of 30 pages long beautifully designed um, and the team can can pitch to you, um, broadcasters on that basis alone without any script. Um, but a couple of mine, including the Heights, have a pilot and the other passenger has a pilot. And so that gives the the streamers and the broadcasters something to read. Mm-hmm. Um so so yeah, I I wasn't particularly involved in our house. Lockdown was going on. I had lots of phone conversations with Simon, but I wasn't involved in casting. I wasn't, I wasn't involved in um, you know, anything to do with the sets. Um I I read the the scripts, I thought they were brilliant. I didn't have anything yeah. to to add. But since then, I have been much more involved in in my newer projects, I am more involved. Mm. Um, because I want to be and I've started um, doing some screenwriting myself which oh, has been really good fun yeah, yeah. but no. it is um, the one thing that I that was a bit of a fallacy I think is I thought that um, TV would be faster because I think of <laughs> publishing as quite quite slow and steady mm. but actually oh my god TV is quite slow as well I think when things happen they happen very very quickly and it's almost a miracle how all the you know productions are pulled together huge casts and crews you know sort of hired very quickly and you know all set to work but to get to that point can be years and years and years and in fact the producers who are doing um um, the heights said to me that um one of the books that they've just had green lit I think they had um their adoption for 15 or 16 years
1: wow (laughs) oh well we can live in so yeah yes (laughs) Uh, are either
2: of you guys guys in the process of um development
1: no not well mine have been optioned but um but that but you know i think that that just happens along with so many people that that happens to and then they just kind of disappear a bit Um, but 15 years you know they're still
2: (laughs) absolutely absolutely i think it's um it's really interesting how dedicated these the uh, producers are. Yes, um, because um, you know they they are they're constantly soft pitching your work. They they really believe in it. If they've optioned your mm. book, they really believe that that should be on screen. And um, you know it's just a long process.
0: It and, is a long um, process. Yeah, I mean the, the rumor the, the personnel- rumor has been sort of in well it, it's it. <laughs> I can't say too much, but it's, it's close. It's closer than it's ever been, oh, um, brilliant. but you know, you know, I've met with the producers and things and we've got scripts and everything, but yeah. it, even at this, even at this late stage, as you well know, anything could happen, and it could yeah. all you know, not happen. So yeah. I think it's keeping your expectations down, and sort of yeah. hoping it happens, but not not trying to think too much about it. That's the sort of stage I'm at. Yeah,
2: or just en- enjoying the process. I think that's, that's what I've learned is to enjoy the process. Um, Even if, it doesn't happen because the rejections still flow. I mean, I've got I'm, I get rejections all the time, both to, to do with TV and books. Mm. And um, I think I've just learned to enjoy the whole process. You know, the winning and the losing. And um, certainly, in terms of TV, someone said to me, "You know, it's only really happening on the first day of filming, yeah. and at any point until that date, it might not happen." Yeah. Yeah. So um so in that respect it does make you really value and and appreciate what we get from publishing which is yes. a much more guaranteed schedule um, if someone's bought your book, they are absolutely publishing it. Yeah. And, you know, you might have to wait a couple of years, but you do have a process and machinery that you can slot into and you can, you know, you know where you're going mm-hmm. and the book will be in your hands at the end of it. And so I have come to, you know, appreciate the being involved in TV has made me appreciate a lot of stuff about books. Also on the writing side I feel like there's so much freedom with writing a novel, you can be quite inventive, you can be quite innovative, you can, you know, you can develop your own techniques and, um, and structures and and types of narrative. And, um, you know, you can do something quite zany really if your if your editors agree that a reader might enjoy it then they you're you're not constrained i don't think but with tv it's very very structured and um you know an episode must have a certain number of beats it must have its hooks at the end you know before every commercial break it has um it's it's much more of a structured piece of work Yes. Um, which in a way makes 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 it quite good because yes. I've always worked in an unstructured way, but um, but equally it makes me feel quite um, quite pleased with some of the you know the unorthodox things that I've snuck into my novels over <laughs> the years.
1: Well, it's lovely to be able to kind of mix the two, I guess, and then you're kind of getting, you know, a bit of the best of both worlds kind of yeah. thing. So, yeah, I
2: think so. I think we need fresh challenges, don't we? Yeah. And, um, yeah, and, you know, the one thing I think that the two industries have in common is that, you know, you've got some really incredibly clever and skillful professionals at work um, yeah. and the joy of collaborating with people who, you know, where you share a vision um, and you share an ambition and you all really value the creative process I mean I love that I love that yeah. um but my um editor or but, but the, she's actually the managing director of Simon and Schuster, Suzanne um she I always remember her saying to me once that she just finds it so incredible that you can be sitting there one day with an author and and you know talking about a book and it hasn't you know they haven't started writing it yet it doesn't exist yet and then just that you know that interlude later it could be a year it could be in some cases six months with a fast writer there is a story and it exists and you've created something and from nothing yeah. and I really love that I, I think that's the best the best part of it yeah. is going from nothing to something yes um, and something that you hope is high quality and entertains people
1: and yes. you know we'll have a we'll have a shelf life Exactly, exactly. So you've written, I think, 16 novels, is it in total? And um, I think it's fair to say that um, maybe some of your earlier ones didn't quite reach the same level <laughs> of success as your more recent ones. Um, and I think you were on the verge of giving up writing altogether before kind of Our House came out. And maybe if you could just tell um, our listeners um, a little bit about those earlier years and, and how was it for you when you were writing during that time? Um,
2: well it was um it was odd because it started off um with a whimper with you know sort of books that didn't sell and um you know feelings of despondency Um, but then out of the blue I did have a hit which was called probably um your listeners won't remember it or have read it but it's called since I don't have you and it remains one of my biggest sellers and it was this kind of grief drama um, in which um, the, the narrator loses her daughter and just leaves the country moves to Greece and starts a new life as a hermit basically um, which doesn't sound very me at all but um, it was a kind of odd one but it, it was a big hit and so I had a tasted success but after that um, you know, thing, it was more like a kind of sense of diminishing returns rather than building, which is obviously what you hope to do As in any career. You want to move up, even if it's, you know, quite a slow trajectory. That's the direction of travel that you're hoping for. But I was kind of going down. So every book was was selling, you know, a bit less and getting a bit less attention and so I started to feel like you know how long am I going to do this for before you know I you know throw in the towel um because life's short and you know did I I was thinking you know do I really want to carry on if I'm actually only going to be you know full of dismay um a couple of weeks after every book is is published but, um I'm a am a firm believer in sort of changing teams if things are going wrong and um I switched to publisher at that point and I signed up for um, phrasers the sudden departure of phrases in the swimming pool which I, I mentioned earlier and though they didn't sell particularly well they did side of they did slightly reposition me in the market mm-hmm. and um and so you know they, they that kind of felt okay I was thinking what shall I do next shall I continue um and the swimming pool I was really really proud of and I did get those feelings of demoralization again when that came out and and you I'm sure you're familiar with the conversations you have with editors that you know they were hoping for the Tesco promotion and you know didn't get it or you know it was down to the down to the long list for Rich and Judy and then didn't get selected and it's just you know I'd had those conversations so many times and I was having them again and by that point I think I'd written 10 books or more and so I thought okay I'm I'm going to take a break now and that's where we join the story where I was saying that I was out of contract when I wrote our house but I did I did genuinely think I would stop I was having a you know a few weeks off um can't remember exactly how long just trying to you know kind of audit my life Mm. um probably you know parenting issues going on and all the stuff that we grapple with and um and then I and then I had this idea for our house and I thought right I'll do one more I'll do one more and um, I'll give it my best shot and I'll raise my game and let's see what happens.
0: Oh, thank goodness
2: you did. (laughs) But I think I would have been just as happy if I hadn't. I mean, I would have just found something else to do that I love. And I was hoping to stay within the realms of writing, but um, perhaps not fiction. I mean, I've always thought it would be fun to be a ghost writer, you know, like a really good one, like Carrie's ghost writer. (laughs) Um, I think there's lots of things you can do. Um, and you know i may have I may have done a screenwriting course or something at that point, so I wouldn't have you know I probably wouldn't have gone off and you know done something completely different, but yeah. I always see jobs that I think I'd like to do only yesterday, I was watching <laughs> that um documentary about surgeons, yeah. and they had this whole thing about the people who make the prosthetic eyes. You'll oh. love this, Leslie, oh God <laughs> <laughs> and um and this and this woman was painting. Painting the iris, and I genuinely feel like that's a job I would love to train for and could do really well.
1: Wow! That's you some... need to you need to put it in your next book. <laughs> oh, you do. You <laughs> shadow them for a, for a week or so, and that'll get it out of your system. Yeah. I just thought
2: how satisfying. There's so many creative jobs, and that's one where you would be literally improving the quality yeah. of someone's yes. life
0: and health. It's very cool. Very cool. But that brings us everything you've just been saying brings us on to the. Final part of our sort of topic today, which is resilience. You know, we had the Midas touch, all the novels, how successful they (laughs) are. Not quite as Midas as you thought. (laughs) Watch the TV, but resilience. Mm. And resilience is key, isn't it, as a writer, if you want to make it as a writer. And um, I was wondering, or we were wondering, whether you had any tips for aspiring writers, perhaps who are feeling a bit knocked back by rejection, or also tips for, um writers who are feeling perhaps you know writers who are maybe established or have been going for a while who are feeling a little bit despondent about their careers as you perhaps were in the early days do you have any any tips or words of wisdom for them <laughs> well i think that everything i've been saying really that kind
2: of you know remember you can change it up a bit you know you can pause you can switch teams you can switch genres um i think going a change of setting is always really good I know that you know. I'm not suggesting everyone can afford to just sort of you know disappear off for three weeks or months on end somewhere else and get inspired. But even just like a weekend away or a, mm-hmm. a walk, mm-hmm. um, something where you just see something new and you just see the world from a different angle, I think is really healthy. Um, and I, I genuinely just think um, keep your options open. Yeah. So the more projects you have on the go um the more chance of success you're going to have. And so um, you know depending on what other demands there are on your time, I mean, there's nothing to stop you from having two genres on the go, um, or to do some screenwriting yeah. or to um, you know, just start a new strand of your career. Um, I just I just really believe in reinvention and starting again. So um, so just don't don't be put off. Um, if things go wrong just find a new way to to restart I think mm. um, and, and I dig deep I, I think yeah, as well out. like you I, said yeah. um, I was thinking you have them. to have a skin, a thick skin don't you but I yes. think you can't just you don't just wake up one day with a thick skin a layer builds every year um, mm. and you know I've been at it for 20 years I've got really thick skin now but you know it would be silly to suggest that someone could be thick skinned you know when they're they're waiting for their first book to come out you're going to be very thin-skinned then but just have faith that you will build that skin and i genuinely think it's better to be realistic um, and to and to aim for a long career as a writer than to hope for the, you know, the massive hit with your first or second book. I'm actually not sure that that's necessarily the best thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you meet people who have had that massive hit early in their careers, I think it's um, it's a wonderful thing. And of course, you know, everyone would be grateful for it. But I think it can then overshadow your the work that comes. Whereas if you start with a flop, as I did, <laughs> the only way is up. Yes, yes. <laughs> Exactly. But I think but the key is... Like, yeah, I mean, I really believe that every time something goes wrong, every time you have a flop, I just think, well, you know, there's only one way up from this.
0: Yeah. yeah. But you said earlier, you know, about enjoying it. And I think that is key, isn't it? If you, you know, if you don't enjoy, if, you, if, the, if you're not enjoying the writing, then stop it. But if you, you know, I think, like you you know you wouldn't have given it up because you 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 wanted to write you know you're a born writer aren't you so i think you know you're right you find other things to do and it's how you define success as well isn't it you know it's yeah. it's, it's you know it's doing something that fulfills you creatively i yeah, think definitely but- and you know
2: you could take if someone was re- if someone had writer's block or was really struggling i would suggest taking 3 months off and going and working in a shop or working in Waitrose or my husband did that actually when he was made redundant from um from a job in advertising he went and worked in John Lewis on the shop floor um on minimum wage for 6 months mm. i mean you that things like that um yeah. if you're used to a white collar sort of lifestyle i think going and doing something where you're really mixing with um new people and strangers and you know the public because Mm -hmm. you do get used to just sitting you know at your desk or on your sofa in your in with a world of you know sort of um fictitious friends and um you know in an imaginary world and I just think it's really good to go out and see the real
0: world
2: and it and if you are a creative person that will always inspire new ideas
1: Yes.
0: yes well that's excellent advice that really is and I, and I think we're moving on to, we're coming to, towards the end of the show now, but we always like to ask our guests what they're reading at the mm-hmm. moment or what they've recently finished reading and would like to recommend to our listeners. Is there anything you'd like to share with us, Louise?
2: Um, The last book I finished was Maybe Next Time by Cheska Major, which isn't out yet. So I'm sorry, I'm going to be one of those annoying people who um, talks about books that you can't actually buy yet. But of course, you can pre-order. Pre-order, Have you you read it? Yeah, I mean, it's not a thriller. It's, it's, I guess, um, romantic in a way and speculative because it's got a Groundhog Day um, um, structure. So um, the, the um, narrator wakes up, she's a literary agent and um, has the day from hell. And anyone who works in publishing will just love those scenes where she goes to meetings with authors and everything's going wrong. Oh, that um, sounds and fantastic. Then at, and then at the <laughs> end of the day, something terrible happens in her home life um that you know it feels like the end of the world but then the next day she wakes up and she's gone back to the beginning of the day before Uh so it's um it's like groundhog day and that she can't seem to get out of this loop and you see her replaying this day and how she tries to changed the day, loses patience with certain things and also goes out of her way to try and stop this terrible event. Um, So I really enjoyed it because I normally don't like speculative books. I I don't like things where I feel like, you know, it couldn't happen. Um, I like I like things to feel like they could happen in my worst nightmares Um, but this does feel like it could happen in your worst nightmares Um, yes I really enjoyed that and then the the next one um on my pile is The Hike by Lucy Clark which um is a psychological thriller but she um I'm sure you know her work um, but she always has a destination, doesn't she? And I think this might be—it's—it's it's based on a, a hike, funnily enough. Um, I think in Norway. But I'm quite a big walker, and I had actually been thinking—one of my ideas in—in—in in, in the back of my mind over the last few years i been thinking, had been a um, a walking holiday-based thriller. um um, but I'm not going to do that now because there (laughs) seems to be lots of them and this one sounds brilliant so uh, (laughs) uh, that that's one of my ideas that I'll just let I'll let go
0: Oh, that's great recommendations. What about you, Nikki? What have you been reading?
1: Um, I've just finished um, one called that one, "Coming to Find You," which is also a proof um, by Jane Corrie. It's her new one, and um, I love yes, Jane's writing. Yeah, yeah, it's beautifully written. Um, it's kind of um, it's a split timeline um, one, so we've got some some things that are happening now and some things that have happened um, back quite a long long time ago, um, just after World War Two or in World War Two, and um, yeah, it's it's brilliant i really really enjoyed it It
2: it's great excellent and i've got yours the beach it's called the beach Um, isn't it yeah yeah the beach beach.
1: party the beach party
2: sorry yeah i've got yours on my pile as well i can't see that there's a real um appetite isn't there for um for thrillers set in holiday destinations i think so i think it's just you know it's it's almost a genre in its own right now yes can see why
1: Yeah, COVID, I think it was that escapism, needing to escape. Yeah, authors
2: needing to escape in their writing, first of all, and now readers getting the benefits of
0: that. How about you, Leslie? Well, I have just finished a proof. Again, it's not out until July, but I thoroughly recommend this. It's called Good Girls Die Last, and it's by Natalie Simmons. And it's fantastic. It's a feminist thriller. You'll love it, and it's set during a heatwave in London. And honestly, it will just—it you know—that she really knows how to dial the heat up. This this writer, she—I mean, she's written fantasy novels before, but this is her debut crime fiction. Um, ah. And it, I think it comes out yes. Oh no, it comes out in June, the twenty second okay. of June. And yeah, it's it's absolutely brilliant. So I would thoroughly mm-hmm. recommend that. That um, sounds I great. I love a London setting. Yeah, <laughs> you, you do London settings so well. I've yes. also talking of the parties and beaches and holidays. I've been sent the final party by um, um, A. 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 H. Arduri. So that's another one. Um, both, and another, all proof. I love separate. that strap
2: line. One, one body, countless Oh, yes, lies. yes.
0: One body, countless lies. Six friends, one body, countless lies. <clears throat> so goodness. that looks super. And... This one, which is historical, oh, it's a historical oh. crime fiction. Laura Shepherd Robinson, The Square. It's the such seventh. a pretty
1: cover, isn't it? It's such a gorgeous cover. Look yeah. at the size
0: of it. So I'm, you know, that's going to going to keep me going, isn't it? That, but <laughs> so I love a key Holiday
2: read, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah, I haven't read any of hers, but oh, they're um, fantastic. Her novels great are things.
0: Yeah, they, yeah, she's a brilliant writer. So I'm really looking forward to those ones. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Fantastic. Well, I think that's all we've got time for today. So it's been absolutely lovely chatting to you, Louise, about your um, writing career. And The Only Suspect is out on February the 2nd. And Leslie and I would thoroughly recommend it. So um, everybody pre-order, grab yourself a copy.
0: Yes, thank you so much, um Louise for coming on and chatting to us. We've we've really enjoyed picking your brains on all things books and TV. My pleasure. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. It's, oh, been, it's lovely.
2: been lovely. I Hope I haven't been ranting on too much. Oh, no, <laughs> you've been wonderful. You've
0: been wonderful. I never give a short answer. <laughs> <laughs> And in two weeks' time, Lauren North and I will be interviewing Fiona Cummins and Tim Weaver. And if you can't wait for that one, then next week it will be episode two in our new series of Minisodes with social media guru um, Zoe Lee um and the first one went down very well didn't it Nikki? so yeah, that's so. all about helping authors you know deal with social media and what to do on tiktok and twitter and facebook and instagram and all oh those things <laughs> yes. i
2: might i might, chew, I might tune in
1: for that one Wait, i tell you i was making notes it's it's like oh, yeah, you, really you oh yes. yeah. so
0: it's great Um, But, you know, if you um, listeners, if you have any topics you'd like us to cover in coming shows, do let us know. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, then please rate and review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to so that others can find us
1: that's right and if anyone isn't sure where to find us there's a link on our bio on twitter that has all the details of the various different ways that you can find us but for now it's goodbye from Louise Candlish goodbye goodbye from Leslie bye-bye and goodbye from me goodbye